Welcome back to Two Real Witches. Hello and blessed be. I'm Oak. And I'm Danny, and we're a couple of witches walking the path of Gardnerian Wicca. Every full moon and new moon, sometimes, uh, we're discussing things we're learning, researching, sharing magical discourse. And hold space for other witches to do the same. We're two real witches, shooting the shit and nerding out on magical topics. So if you're into the occult, the esoteric, or the otherworldly, come hang out with us in the liminal space of sound. In this episode, we're going to crack open Heron Michelle's book, Elemental Witchcraft, A Guide to Living a Magical Life. But before we jump in, what you up to? It's been a hot second since we got together. Like, yeah. 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 I think Whoops. we said six weeks, right? Whoops. I think it's going to end Whoops. up being more, but you know, because... Um, but it's, it's the holidays. It's the holidays. We, this is the first time we're actually going through the holidays in completion, Danny. Okay. So we're going to be really kind to ourselves and Mm -hmm. just chalk this Mm -hmm. up to one of our learnings that don't plan to release episodes when you're going out of country. Um, silly. Uh, that's me talking to myself, of course. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but yeah, I'm, you know what? I feel fine about it. It's fine. It's fine. I gave everyone an opportunity to catch up on our backlogged episodes because, you know, there's at least 12 of them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like almost exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. No, it was actually really good for me that like that time really gave me time to focus on work, which allowed me to get everything where I needed it to be so that I could like start backing off. Um, so now instead of working 10 to 14 hours a day, there are days that I've left at the eight hour mark. That's crazy. Um, so I finally am able to like see the benefits of all this time and effort we've put in. I can finally step away and like let the people we have trained so well do the things that they can do, um, which has been really nice. And it's given me a little bit of time to get back into my practice, um, which has really kind of been on the back burner for a hot second. So, um, I, Danny's book count. I know we haven't discussed it since season one. <laughs> and there's a reason we hadn't discussed it, okay? Um, so I think we started somewhere around 23 books, mm-hmm. and I'm at 17 now. Hey, that's really good. 17. You know what I mean? Um, not that the real reads episodes are helping here. Yeah, there was – add one and There was at least off. two real reads. So in theory, you should be down to 15 if it wasn't my fault for adding more to it. Sorry. <laughs> We're definitely going to read one that's in your – pile next Your because piles. I love it. Yeah. Cause I made a bad decision it. with my last two books. I've decided <laughs> to sign us up for textbook courses, <sighs> but I mean, anyways, but they're good books. Yes. So I totally I mean, agree. You know? Yeah. It's fine. Um, I'm also getting back on track with the wines. So um, not, not to imply that I have fallen <laughs> off the bandwagon and I'm getting back on. Yes. Um, but I had two batches of wines that like did not turn out. Um, so one of them was an apple wine and it turned out really cloudy, which when you think about like the, the juice of an apple, it's not like crystal clear, but something happened that where I just didn't refine it enough. I didn't clarify it enough. And so when I got to the end process, it was super cloudy. It almost looked like some of the yeast had not, um, actually like fermented fully. And so it, it just looked terrible. So then I tried to put some, um, benzenite clay into into it to help clarify it, but it also clarifies out the flavors. So then it like just tasted like trash. So, um, I am starting back over. We are, we are getting back on track. I have a, 
um, clementine wine coming up Ooh. for in bulk. I know it's either going to be delicious or crazy tart and terrible, but you know what I mean. Let's let's go down this journey together. You know? <laughs> um, and then Yule gifts. We finally exchanged. Yes. Oh my gosh! It took five ever. Um, so <laughs> I finally can tell you guys because I was stewing over it for months. So I made fire cider, which is really exciting. So I made a bath soak that kind of like went along. It was like a self-care thing. Um, but the fire cider is something I had never made before, which sounds crazy. That's like all up there with the folk magic stuff. Um, just have never made it. So I made a first batch and it was weak. It was like not as strong mm. as I wanted it to be. So the second one, I put everything in it. I mean, I think I had like 16 ingredients, okay? It had the horseradish. It had the garlic. It had the cloves. It had um, nestrium seeds, like the flower seeds. It had pomegranates. It had rose hips. Wow. It had all the stuff. Um, it will clear out anything going on in your body. Uh, or you know in your I mean? plumbing. Just, if you have a clogged drain. <laughs> gone gone okay like i could smell it through the jar with the lid on she was strong she and, was and i think you have okay. to ferment that is that right um you put it in a vinegar yep okay so you you put it in the vinegar and then you let it sit but you shake it every day so that okay. nothing like none of the organic matter like sits for long enough to do anything um and then once you have like shook it up for at least it says at least four weeks i let it go for like six to eight weeks and then um you strain it strain it out okay. and then you're just left with all the good infused so not fermentation as much as infused scene right okay more more so yeah it was still very bubbly, cool but yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. that's it and so we do um secret i don't know santa what's what's a pagan version of santa um Secret mm-hmm. horn god. I don't know. Um, but uh, but yeah, so we do that where we pick gifts. So everyone leaves with one gift and it's always handmade. Um, so you ended up with a hefty uh, <laughs> gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when I opened it, um, I thought I had been gifted a wooden dildo. That's what <laughs> I thought initially. Okay. Um, it is a gigantic wand. Okay. It is huge. Mm -hmm. She is, she is girthy and long. (laughs) She is all the things. Okay. Um, and so I fully pulled it out and for a hot second, I was like, this is porous. This cannot go in any nethers, like anywhere. Um, and then lo and behold, wouldn't you know, it's, it's a wand. Uh, there's something wrong with me clearly that like, which (laughs) thought I got a dildo for Christmas. You know, sex magic's <laughs> real and I've, I'm actually inspired for next year's gift. I'm going to hand carve <laughs> a, a quartz dildo so you can practice uh, sex magic. That's, I mean, to me, that sounds great. That'd be an amazing gift. But yeah, it is like half a staff. Mm-hmm. So that's really, really funny. Um, yeah. 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 It awesome. is beautiful. It was very, very big. cool. <laughs> big and beautiful, just the way we like them. Yeah. Well, I have um, had a lot of learnings uh, since. So many. So many learnings, y'all. Um, definitely about not trying to record episodes. Uh, that was one big one. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I, I can't even get into it. But I, this was the first time that I had traveled internationally in like, I don't know, honestly, like 20 years. I'd spent so much time traveling around the U.S. for work trips and then also for um 
the the sport that I played. So, but I just had never had a reason to get my passport. So we get that all straightened out. And um, yeah, I just learned a lot about myself and international travel. And I got the flu and had to go to the hospital. So I mean, like the whole uh-huh. thing was just you. You've heard mm-hmm. it. I, I gave you the whole yes. Flu, hospital, in a foreign country, um, but your medical bill was amazing. Yeah. Oh my God. It was like, I've had dinners more expensive, um, like just for myself. No, it was great. It was great. <laughs> yes. Love, love socialized medicine. Um, let's see. Uh, I Oh, I got my yearly astrological reading from my astrologer, so Michelle Gould. Love her. And um, well, I, I, my big takeaway is it's going to be a lot of work this year. It's going to be okay. work that I enjoy doing, but lots of work. Okay. And I'm uh, probably going to have a terrible time um, with boundaries and uh, maybe family members playing into that, which makes sense and totally tracks. And I, what I actually wedding. did is right wedding season, yeah, mm-hmm. wedding right. coming up. Um, but I, I was, I looked through the notes from last year and exactly kind of the timing, and she was like so spot on, specifically about two major things that happened last year, and and like the timing was exact. So I definitely paid attention this year to like when are those things happening, and like made a note of it in my planner. Um, but yeah, I always love mm-hmm. doing that. I think that also helps to kind of set me up for the new year. Um, and just speaking about planning, I really love that we got all of our um, ritual dates and all of our mm. espats written down where we know who's leading them and who's doing what. And that just feels really good. Makes my organizational heart yeah. so yeah. happy. Yeah. So happy. Yeah, I feel I feel really good about that because we can plan our episodes more easily as well. So mm-hmm. that's good. And I got a new job because you know what else can I figure out how to do mm-hmm. differently? Yeah, yeah. And so it's it's kind of my dream job. It's um, customer education, and I work for a tech company. So being able to uh, you know nerd out and learn things and pass them on um, has been really enjoyable. And I'm just you know it's a totally different kind of skill set that I'm building. And so I'm putting a ton of time into researching and um, connecting with other people in the space and figuring out who the best thought leaders are and like reading books and listening to podcasts. So it's been super, um, I don't know, invigorating, you know, like whenever you have a, yeah. a brand new topic or skill set that you have mm-hmm. to build. I, I just, you know, I'm here for that. My Sagittarian son is like, let's do it. Um, but we invent ourselves completely. <laughs> yes. Well, that yeah, that's that's that Scorpio energy. The Sagittarian <laughs> is like, yes, let's learn everything. And the Scorpio is like, let's end everything. So but uh, speaking of more things that I shouldn't be doing right now, um, uh, you know, just planning my wedding and um I'm so freaking excited. You have no gonna, idea. It's oh, gonna be I, love, I, love. I haven't told you about the ceremony that I put together, like the ritual connected to it. You're gonna mm-hmm. cry. You're gonna cry. I will cry. I I cry at every <laughs> wedding. This is just who I am as a person, and I am not embarrassed. So Yeah. Yeah, I went for my trial makeup because I'm gonna do my own hair, but I'm gonna have makeup done professionally, right? Um, because I pretty much got rid of all of my nice makeup when I stopped working um in the hair industry. And it's like my revolt, like I wear eyebrows and I wear mascara and that's it. Um, but I'm like, yeah, it's going to be more expensive for me to buy makeup than it is for me to go get it done legitimately. Right. Mm, um, right. Yeah. So I, I got my trial makeup done. I got my dress fitted all this weekend. So definitely making moves there. Um, and I am afraid I'm going to cry because, because I know I'm going to cry 
And I don't know. I'm so excited. Who, who, who gets married and doesn't cry? Why? How do these people look so put together in pictures? Oh, I didn't cry, but my <laughs> husband did. Yeah. You no, didn't cry? I, I didn't cry. No. What? I, I never cry for myself, but I will uh, ball for other people. Like ball. Okay. Like, yeah, that's just who I am as a human. Well, I'm I'm gonna channel your put togetherness um my day. Mm-hmm. But um but yeah, and uh you know, other than that, um just witnessing genocide. Uh, you know, keeping it light over here. Ooh. Um I think <laughs> we're up to what, twenty-five thousand plus Palestinians have been killed in Gaza. And I yeah. hope that if anybody's listening to this, um uh, uh is I don't know questioning where we stand on the topic uh killing children's bad that's where we're at period just yeah just period like there shouldn't there's no more discussion needed Mm -hmm. there Mm -hmm. i don't think um but i just want to make sure that i hold space for that because that's Mm -hmm. something that you know affects me every day and it should be top of mind for everyone so i'm going to include an article just talking about um where we're currently at death count wise um from npr that i'm uh you know because i feel like i have to cite it at least so but speaking of insanity um and scary shit happening Let's uh, <laughs> let's go to the stars, shall we? <laughs> let's have a clear transition to what is happening. All right, so uh, Star Trek. All right, so this time period in. The sky. We're going to talk about Star Trek. We're going to highlight major transits again of sun, moon, and personal planets um, and keep it as simple as that. And then I'm also going to talk about one major big player. So let's just go ahead and, you know, since we were talking about what's happening in um, Gaza right now, I'm going to bring up uh, this Pluto uh, and Aquarius movement that has just happened. Mm-hmm. So um, Pluto is the outermost planet. It's definitely a generational planet. I'll talk about that. But it just moved signs from Capricorn into Aquarius. January 20th, it just moved, right? We're going to have a slight um, move back into Capricorn. September 1st through September, well, September 1st through November 19th. And then it's going to continue to stay in Aquarius until 3843. 2043. That's that's that year. Um, yeah. And so just kind of expanding on that generational idea. So like, I am a Gen X and every Gen X or older millennial, let's say, I guess I'm an older millennial. Yeah. Elder millennial. That's who I am. Yes. Um, so uh, <laughs> it's like, I really don't know. Actually, I, I'm very confused by like this millennial gap because oh, it's I clear. feel like it's actually such a huge group of people. Like yeah. comparatively in my brain. Yeah, you're to right. To like the other generations. Like yeah. it's a big gap. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm clear that um I'm I'm elder. Elder <laughs> millennial. I don't know. I'm probably not. Anyways, like there's no cusp in astrology. There's probably a very clear date that we're just not acknowledging. Um at any rate, right. so everybody in that kind of Gen X space, um, they were born with Pluto and Libra. Um, that's nineteen 19- 72 through 1984. Um, And, you know, really that whole generation was about 
promoting and restoring balance and fairness. And you could see that in a lot of situations that have come up, especially recently. And um, the uh, whole millennial group, they were born where Pluto was in Scorpio. And so that's 1983 to 1995. And so they directed their focus towards safeguarding themselves, right, against their, uh, uh, sorry, safeguarding themselves by using their knowledge of the world intuitively, right? So just a, a strong sense of what makes sense and what doesn't make sense and leaning into that, right? Like not accepting past um, operating procedures just at face value, but rather being intuitive around what makes sense to them. Um, so, and we have this Gen Z population, 1995 to 2008, they uh, would, they were born when Pluto was in Sagittarius. And so, you know, this is very uh, free thinking, truth seeking uh, group of people. It's really going to be interesting to see how the world changes with Gen Z coming into, you know, workforce and coming into uh, leadership and things like that. And then most recently, of course, um, this generation, I don't even know what they're called. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't know. We've but, run out of ladders. I don't know where we go after this. I'll have yeah. to look it up. I don't know. I'm, I know that there's some title for it, but anybody born from 2008 um, to, you know, modern times right now was born Gen now. Till now, well, yeah, to the twentieth of January, uh, was born with Pluto and Capricorn, and you know that's all about this kind of um, thinking about how we conduct business, um, really considering how we, um, you know, uh, think about money. So the whole idea of like Bitcoin would make sense, Capricorn, right? Um, mm -hmm. And now that we're entering Aquarius, this is going to be a huge shift, right? This whole generation that's being born right now is going to be challenging just how countries work together and really thinking about how they can push forward peace, humani humanitarian efforts, right? Um, so it's going to be interesting, that age of Aquarius, you know, coming to be. All right. So what should you know? Um, well, <laughs> uh, revolutions have happened there. I can link a really long uh, episode of Chris Brennan's podcast talking about uh, his research about the periods of time in which Pluto was in Aquarius previously. And, you know, that's what, what a lot of astrologers do to make inferences. They're like, okay, when... Sure were these major things happening. So like the French Revolution uh, was in Aquarius. Civil War, Pluto was in Aquarius. So there's all kinds of really interesting correlations. Um, so, you know, we'll see how that plays out. Um, girl's a little nervous, but but you know what? I knew the homesteaders were on to something. I knew, um, I knew the can preppers I, can were I tell doing you? something. I, I mean, let's like get rid of all of the problematic parts of, of preppers, but like mm -hmm. I, I might have, purchased a book about <laughs> I'm a little afraid but you know what um it's okay we have witchcraft um we're empowered people we create our own realities we have witchcraft and I know how to make wine so if we get <laughs> stuck somewhere <laughs> and fire cider yeah we will at least be kind of healthy and also real drunk so it <laughs> I'm will here be fine for it. we I'm will get through it, it. um yeah. so I was looking at this and your um so this means that Pluto is going to be in your seventh house of romantic partners and relationships. Um, Pluto obviously is the sign about changing something that was really big and making it small. Um, it's about really flipping tables and changing how you think about things. So I'm interested to see, I mean, it's going to be there until 43. I don't know. 
but yeah, I'm, I'm interested in how, you know, what that means for you. For me, it is uh, my fourth house of uh, home, family. So that makes sense uh, <laughs> with all of the drama that's happening with my family right now. And yeah, mm-hmm. so that's where we're at. Um, let's go into uh, completely switch gears and just, uh, you know, accept that and move on in our lives. Um, we have Sun in Aquarius, and it's going to be in Aquarius until February 18th. Um, so this is my fourth house again, but different energies, right? So like the sun is about shedding light, truth, clarity, um, bringing warmth. Um, again, that's my fourth house of home and family. Um, also like maternal kind of instincts and those things. Uh, yours is seventh house. So romantic mm-hmm. partners, relationships. Um, we have full moon in Leo, which is your first house of identity. So new beginnings, physical body, I'm interested how the full moon, like the full moon is only, it moon only stays in its position for like a few days. Um, But I wonder if like that would be a great time for you to um, kind of evaluate your feelings around um, self and do, I mean, journaling, right? Because it's first house. It's like very self um, focused. (laughs) It's going to be selfish when uh, the moon is in Leo for you. Um, For me, it'll be a 10th house of public and professional career. So Leo, you know, fiery energy um, going into my 10th house um, is probably going to bring some, you know, energy, excitement, um, a little bit of hopefully fame. I don't know. Yes. Attention. Like positive attention. Shine. Shine, girl. Shine. (laughs) We'll see. Usually, I mean, the moon, of course, the body of being the moon is often connected with introspection and goddess Mm -hmm. energy and emotion too. Um, So we'll see how that goes. So light your own light. Yeah. Set your own spotlight. That's right. Whatever. I love it. Whatever works. Now, what's really interesting is right now until middle of February, um, Mercury, Venus, and Mars are all in the sign of Capricorn. So this makes this section very easy for us. So Mercury is in Capricorn (laughs) until February 5th. Venus is in Capricorn until February 16th. And Mars is in Capricorn until February 13th. Um, So yours is, um, Capricorn is your sixth house. So this is house, health, wellness, daily routines. Mercury, of course, is about communication, writing, thinking. Um, So let's just kind of go through this for you. So in this period of time with Capricorn, Capricorn is like hardworking routines. And because this is like getting double dose, because sixth house is also this kind of like daily routines and wellness, um, uh, I'm I'm interested in how that can be channeled for you. Um, Because Mercury, communication, Venus, relationships, beauty, um, fast moving success, some people say. Um, And then Mars, which of course is lots of um, quickening energy, right? Um, Lots of intensity and uh, has an ability to move quickly and take actions quickly, right? So Mm -hmm. I'm interested in what's going to be happening for you in that area. Because it seems like- getting back on her hot girl shit. I mean, that's what I'm hearing. That's what I, that's what's happening because I'm okay. finally getting like a moment to like breathe and yeah. refocus and I, I I'm gonna be able to put all my cute outfits back on I'm be able to have time to do my hair again like mm-hmm. what what single plot braid no 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 <laughs> we're going for the Ariana Grande high pony I don't yes what is so I love that. This, 
this is what's going down. Okay. Well, um, I think this is a perfect time to do it. I think you are riding the wave and going with the flow. For me, uh, Mercury, Venus, Mars are all in my third house of communication. Um, so I can think about communication around relationships. Um, I can, if anything that I have to write or, um, consider this is like a great time to do this, um, especially around work. Right. So I'm actually very much, uh, in knee deep in my new position and writing content, um, and Mm -hmm. lessons and this whole kind of like educational structure. So this is like really good energy for me. Um, and then with Mars in that kind of house of communication, I think the things that I'm really going to pay attention to is like bringing passion, but not bringing argumentative energy, right? Making sure I transition or or channel that energy into the positive sides of Mars, which can be about passion and, and energy. So yeah, that's a, Star Trek. Was that fun? Was that fun for you? That was so fun. That was so fun. I especially love the part where you tell me all the things and then I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Okay. You hype, you hype up my, my next thoughts. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, you know, that's what uh, astrology is about. It's about saying, Hey, which way is the river flowing and how can I just jump in and ride that wave in? And so, yeah, you got hot girl, summer, spring, sexy spring coming to you. All the seasons. She's just, she's just coming back <laughs> through all of the seasons. But you did talk about too, right? Like the focus on your health and like getting mm-hmm. appointments in place and being really good about taking care of yourself in that way. So I think that'll be really good for yes. you. All right. Let's transition into today's topic. <laughs> what are we talking about, Danny? So here Michelle's book. Um, so this was your recommendation. I'm sorry. She's, she's girthy. You know, um, I just let me let me just go to the end of my book, um, which I'm sure pages match the end of your book. She's a solid 445 pages. Okay, okay. Um, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. And you know how meaningful this was. And we are going to celebrate the genius that is Heron Michelle channeling lots of amazing information. But the reason I say I'm sorry is because it is lengthy. But we had lots of time to read it too, right? Because yeah. it's been a second since we like touched back in. It was good. And, okay. and okay. There were, it was a really good book, okay? I would have been grouchy if I had gotten to the end of 445 <laughs> pages and been like, well, that was time I'll never get back in my life. This was great. This was fantastic. Okay. All right, good. I, I assumed it was going to be like that. Um, all right. So mm-hmm. we are going to, of course, in our real read style, we're going to divide these topics elementally. We'll talk about water, which is kind of uh, for us going to signify history and feelings, meaning going into the author's past and like what they bring to the table and their experiences. And then also kind of giving a little bit of space and context around what we know about the author. We're going to then go into air which for us is about concepts and information. So this is where we'll get into, um, you know, some of our takeaways and and just tell you a little bit about how the book is arranged. Um, then we'll get into the fire aspects, which is how do you take action on this book, right? Because what's the point of reading something if you're not going to do anything with it? Um, and finally, uh, earth, which is, you know, what is the practical advice that we can take away and where do we disagree with the author or think they got it wrong? And maybe who is this for? Who, who do we think would really benefit from this book? So yeah, that's what we're going to do. I'm excited about it. I, this is really a great book and I'm glad we're talking about it. Yes. All right. So Heron, uh, grew up in South Carolina going to church, Christian church evangelical church. Um, and 
uh, you know, that was very, (laughs) that was very fire, brimstone, all this good stuff. And so her father's work actually ended up taking them to Saudi Arabia, where she was obviously exposed to a much different culture and also a lot of other religious ideas. So very formative. Um, As As a child, she experienced a lot of episodes of what she would then realize later on was uh, becoming clairvoyant or psychic. Um, she was seeing auras. She was experiencing kind of her own past lives um, and had bouts of these kind of predictive dreams and visions. So definitely had an experience of maybe the unseen from an early age. Um, but as an adult, like early adult and later adult, she was diving into books on the topic, um, you know, but wasn't actually practicing witchcraft. And the thing that was the transformative moment for her was actually uh, when she had her first child. Did you love that? That reference? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think she says that she saw like the goddess and the midwife and had this really important um, experience that really like, quote unquote, lit her witch flame, which I loved. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was beautiful to read about. And that's when she really started to commit herself to the study of the occult and ultimately became the owner of a neo-pagan bookstore and spiritual supply shop. That's what she calls it. Mm-hmm. And which is, yeah, I mean, amazing. Uh, so in just recent history, uh, she her studies have included Reiki, the Toth Tarot, past life regression. And she was also, of course, mentored by a number of practicing witches. Um, she hasn't ever been initiated into a lineage, which is really exciting. And I'm wild. Just, yeah, I'm super stoked to talk about this. Um, as a podcast with two gardenarians who very much mm-hmm. um, love our <laughs> lineage uh, initiation uh, path. Uh, I, I really love seeing someone bring so much to the conversation um, and being obviously guided, right? And, and channel, channeling mm-hmm. a lot of that information. Um, and so she initiated herself and she has been working with a coven associated also, of course, with her store. Um, and she created what she sees as this pinnacle path uh, version of witchcraft. So it's kind of like she created her own path, her own sect. Um, yeah. yeah, her own sect. Yeah. Um, and while, you know, she wasn't really exposed to any oathbound material, of course, she totally pursued all of the mysteries that are widely available. I had never heard of her until probably two years ago. Uh, when Jason Mankey, he is a Gardnerian priest um, and also author, uh, on his podcast, he spoke really, really highly of her. And it wasn't even like an, in an interview, but that definitely said, sent me down the road to find her on other interviews and kind of just hear what she was all about. And I'm just going to say she has the most beautiful, soothing Southern accent. I'm, I love it. It's beautiful. And she's just a really brilliant humble, super humble, magical woman. Um, She didn't publish her first book until 2021, which is really exciting. Um, And uh, yeah, so I'm I'm stoked to have um, read this. I got her first edition uh, book. You got, you have it too, Danny, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And Mm -hmm. I actually, uh, so during uh, Salon uh, period, 2023, just recently, last year, I went to Phoenix Fire Fest in Bell, Florida, and um, Heron was a headliner. So she did two, I know, very cool, right? She did two super cool sessions. One was like on astrological timing and witchcraft, and then the other one was on um, hermeticism. Um, And I was really bummed I couldn't make the second session, but the information that she provided 
talking about how to lever- leverage astrological timing and just like the information around how she thinks about the moon in ritual and witchcraft, like blew my mind and really created a lot of clarity and definition that was just amazing. So yeah, I bought, a, bought her book. Um, she signed it, of course. Um, yeah. And she's just so cool. <laughs> like she had a, um, a tent there where she was selling her own um, supplies and things like that and things that she had made herself. Um, and she was super down to just talk about what it was like, the, you know, the ups and downs of being a mother and an artist owning an occult store really in a Southern small town. Um, and w- I found it really interesting because she even shared that before um, she became a shop owner, which has been 20 years and going, um, she was right. actually an interior designer, which I think is so interesting. But she's super dynamic. You know what? We're always drawn, witches are always drawn to like <sighs> creating right. space. Yeah. Even, even like just in before we even know we're witches, we're like, ooh, this yeah. doesn't feel good. I want to make this feel a certain way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, an interior design, like you're totally feeling mm-hmm. um, all of that for sure. I can see. Uh, yeah. But she's just, you know, she's swoon worthy. She's humble. Um, and I'm sure she doesn't see herself the way I do, which is, you know, hashtag witch goals. I, I, I'm i a big fan. Big fan. <laughs> <laughs> had you heard of um, Heron Michelle before I had uh, mentioned her? No, not before you had said, oh, I saw her as a headliner here and and it was such a great, and I think we should pick up her book for, you know, and I'm like, okay, sure. Yeah. You know, I have, you haven't led me astray yet. So I was like, yeah, down. Um, But the book itself makes me actually really bummed that I didn't get to meet her at the headlining because we'll talk more about it, but it's good. It's a good one. Yeah. She's, she's smart. And also, mm-hmm. like being able to hear all of her really complex yet obvious ideas mm-hmm. in a Southern accent is just like one of my favorite things. You know, she's talking about all of these like <laughs> metaphysical, complicated psychological models with a Southern accent. It's just, mm-hmm. it's amazing. Um, all right, cool. So, we're going to transition now into talking about the actual information that's in the book. And it's, of course, hard uh, for us to draw a line around how much do we include, how much do we not include. Right. Um, But before we get into that, I do also want to give you some context about the book. And maybe this kind of transcends water, earth, um, I'm sorry, water, air topics here. But um, when I connected with her um, in person, she also uh, gave me some context around the fact that she had this book commissioned by Llewellyn. She had not had a book um, that she, you know, tried to get them to publish. It was more so like they reached out to her or or something like this. But she had, of course, all of her teachings from her outer court because she has a coven, right, that runs. Um, And so she had all these ideas and and definitely had structure, but she didn't have like a a book fully formed. Um, So Mm -hmm. this gave her the opportunity to essentially write what is the working book of shadows, uh, like a training mm-hmm. manual for people that she works with, um, all of the different uh, coven mates that she has and that she's trained. So um, they have a coven called the Sojo, which is a shortened version of Soul Journey, um, and that's also oh, okay. what her yeah, yeah. yeah, that's also what her store is is called. It's like what is it Sojourn. Did you remember seeing that? I don't know. Anyways, um, but yeah, so her her path, her tradition that she's started, um, I believe they refer to it as Sojo Circle. Um, and 
what she what she totally was honest about is how difficult it was to write this book. So she sat down to write a book on elements. When she started to write it, she was like, wait, I can't just jump into talking about what the elements are without giving information about how we got there. And so right. one book essentially turned into now what is a three book deal. <laughs> and this mm-hmm. first book is laying the foundation that the other books will kind of continue to play off of. Um, but yeah, she was she was very uh, open about the idea that it was a challenge. Um, and, you know, she had never released a book before. Um, isn't that cool, though, that she was like, no, sorry, this is can't be one book. It's got to be three. Yeah. Well, is that how everything starts out? Like even even just the papers you and I have worked on. Like we're like, all right, <laughs> yeah. I have a succinct idea. I know what I'm doing. And then somewhere 18 pages in, we were like, I messed up. I need to go back. <laughs> I- <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. That's very much that. I mean, I think that's just the occult, mm-hmm. right? You just start mm-hmm. going down the rabbit hole and you find more. So, so this book is divided into three sections, um, three parts. The first one is this foundations of modern witchcraft, right? She's going through history, giving definitions, explanations of the different um, theological foundations within the neo-pagan Wicca and kind of hermetic philosophies. Uh, the second part is called Elemental Magic and Fivefold Self. And so she's actually putting forth new ideas that she has put together that build on other people's frameworks. Um, and also, you know, these frameworks that she herself has just channeled, um, which is amazing. And then the last part is turning the wheel through elemental witchcraft. And this is really describing a lot of the doing of witchcraft through this kind of timeline of Sabbaths. Um, And obviously I'm being super reductive here because each Mm -hmm. one of these parts has touches on many, many different topics. Um, But if I could just shorten it. When I read through the foundations part, um, it uh, honestly, to me, the the first part is my favorite part. Um, I don't know. Did you feel like that? Well, I'm, I just like a good history lesson in general. <laughs> yeah, right. So like, I always, I always like, 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 give me all the history, give me all the stuff. And then, and then I think it's really cool. Then those next chapters, like show you how her brain works around these concepts, mm-hmm. um, which is always nice. I feel like it's like peeking into someone's head and like what's going on in there. Um, but no, I did. I really enjoyed the first, that first, um, section of the book. Yeah, which is like 12 chapters. <laughs> so it's yeah, a, it's when we a, say first section, yeah. It's <laughs> almost actually I think it's more than half of the book actually. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I mean and you can see like that was what she had to write to create the context for the elemental mm-hmm. magic to come up, but um yeah, so she goes into the history of what she's describing as modern witchcraft super comprehensive. She's weaving together, you know, these really influential players, explaining how they had relationships to each other and how what they contributed um, and how they uh, integrated, quote unquote, previous knowledge. Did you love all of the diagrams and all of the visuals that she included? You know, I live <sighs> for an image. Give me a picture book, Thank okay? I, just you. give me a picture book with diagrams. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I have lots to say about well, her. I have her I have retorts. I have I have, have, I have, I have uh, more information, insider information for you about that. I but yeah, it. we love it. Really tons of great imagery that helps to support these kind of complex ideas that she's putting forth. So um all right. So then, you know, she's really also talking about um the different systems that modern witchcraft is derived from, right? She's talking about how it's bringing together all of these different forms of 
occult studies, right? Um, she does talk about something that is kind of like a new idea, in my opinion, that's pulling on as an example, all of these different types of studies. She has this idea of a witch's, no, the witch's jewel of power, which mm -hmm. is, yeah, which is a mouthful. Which it's, also has a diagram, by the it, way, it which does. that really made a lot of sense to me. At first I was like, did we, what is this? What is this term? Like, where jewel of power from? feels a little cheesy right. to me. <laughs> Well, and because a jewel is a unit of energy, but it's not that jewel, oh. not J-U-L, but J-E-W-E-L. I was like, I don't know if that's what we're going for here, but then this diagram yeah. was beautiful. Yeah. It made a lot of sense to so me. So what she's doing here is she's incorporating the four powers of the Sphinx and the witch's pyramid with these hermetic ideas um, to create this kind of 3D, three-layered, she describes as platonic octahedron visual, yes. octahedron. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and then moving from kind of the inner to the outer, Heron describes both the receptive and projective ideas of, of the teachings of elements and planetary energies and mm -hmm. this kind of outer layer that has archetypes and deities and modalities. So all right. <laughs> that that would sound really complicated. And People are like, I don't understand what we're listening to. Uh, it, but she explains it in such a way that you don't feel overwhelmed by the concepts. Like, yeah. I mean, I still felt it, it overwhelmed really by the concepts. Like there was a lot for me to meditate on. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not like you're like, oh, I, this is completely out in left field. Right. I can't, I can't understand what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as an example of kind of one of the things that was, again, bits of information that I have known and collected, you know, over years of study, but putting a different spin on it and and combining them in a way that I had not thought to do before. Um, just the lesson. Um, uh, so, well, Eliphas Levi, I don't I know. That's how I said it in my yeah. head. Eliphas. Yeah. Okay. So Eliphas Levi, he is the person that's responsible for the idea of the witch's pyramid. Right In his book titled Transcendental Magic, he put forth this idea that in order to maintain wisdom, you essentially had to have these four conditions. So the witch's pyramid was all about, hey, you have to have these kind of four personality traits or four strengths in order to really be wise. Um, and that was to know, to dare, to will, to keep silent. I'm sure that kind of sounds familiar to people. But what mm -hmm. Heron does as an example of kind of adding additional layers of meaning is she puts the layer of projective and receptive. Now you could also say yin and yang, masculine, feminine, positive, negative, mm -hmm. right? That kind of polarity. But she does this in order to show how one condition is uh, like another, um, is, is like its counterpart, right? So the, as an example, the part that is to know is the projective version of what it is to wonder, which is the receptive. So knowing mm -hmm. is is projective, wondering is receptive. That to me was like mind blowing. Mm -hmm. Did that like, I don't know, mm -hmm. did that hit you the same? Yeah, I, <laughs> okay. yeah, I have it kind of in the other parts, but um, I, at first, cause the first thing I do is always like look through a table of contents and I mm -hmm. saw some of those familiar ones to know, to dare. And then I saw these other ones and I was like, who is she? I haven't met this uh -huh. one before. Uh -huh. uh, and then, and then when I got to those parts, I like couldn't understand too why they were like kind of randomly put through the chapters. And I was like, why are they like showing up in random spots? And then when it all came together yeah. that they were like polarities of each other, oh, that was 
That was beautiful. She has these. Um, so again, that's like an example of her pulling existing information and just relating it in a different way. Um, but she also has information that she just straight up, you know, channeled. She says in one instance, she channeled from Aphrodite, these nine conditions of love. And to me, it was like, I think I, I'm confident I teared up um, because it was just such a beautiful way of thinking about uh, love. Uh, she goes into this big thing around love and trust. Those are mm -hmm. two concepts. And like, what does that mean? She deep dives into that and, and has dissertation around it. But yeah, so she's channeling, she's reimagining, she's connecting. Um, but the thing that, you know, again, the first thing that really drew me towards her was hearing her speak in person and having um, a whole conversation. It was like a maybe two and a half hour session around astrological timing as it relates to witchcraft. And of course, within that, she also talked about not just, you know, how to time a ritual in order to get the most out of it um, or spell, uh, but also she kind of added this layer of what the wheel of the year means in context to astrological timing. And this was like, it brought me new excitement. So I've been obviously practicing mm -hmm. witchcraft for, I don't know, maybe going on seven years now and like really deep in it, right? And I got to a place with like Sabbaths. I mean, you know, I was super resistant to mm -hmm. even bringing the topic up because it feels like such a 101 thing. And while I mm -hmm. love celebrating it, of course, with my coven, um, and I think it's really amazing to mark the turning of time in order to mm -hmm. slow it down, right? Like that's a great, powerful thing. I didn't get maybe actionable items out of the year of the, the wheel of the year, the way that she explains it, it on, mm -hmm. honestly like creates these kinds of uh, periods of time where I could lean into certain ideas and I would be working with the flow of, you know, the astrological mm -hmm. timing. So anyways, the, the way that she explains this, um, the layers of complexity that she puts on this just really excited me. Um, yeah. And, and all of this to be said that, the wheel of the year, turning the wheel, as it's called, is really all about this journey towards doing the great work. Um, and, you know, the great work, as, as she's defining it, it's also ceremonial magicians say the great work as well. And it's all about this idea of expanding human consciousness through knowing more, not just like, obviously, knowing uh, information, but but kind of a deeper knowing. Um, so yeah, I was just revived. The year wheel of the year was revived for me. Love that. Oh. That. Yeah. So then we get into part two of the book. So that elemental magic and the fivefold self, um, just a few of like my favorite snippets. I don't want to like dig too much in it. Um, but part two is really about the foundational doing concept. So um, it's about altar how to, um, how to consecrate things, um, making the temple, but it also is the introduction of these other concepts. One of them was figure 12 in the book, the upper, middle, and lower world diagrams. You remember I had an issue with Pinzac's book mm -hmm. and this egg system. I just I could not <laughs> get behind it. And then and then her diagram, I was like, oh, this makes so much more sense compared to that, that previous one. Mm -hmm. And she also included the elemental symbols there. And it's not even a difficult diagram. It yeah. just is so well put together. And then 
I mean, and she she bit. references like people like Christopher Penzak mm-hmm. as like this is the person where I first heard this idea. Um, so it's yeah. not as if she's taking these concepts and making it like taking credit for it. She's just mm-hmm. building upon or maybe explaining them differently, um, right? Which is great for you, yeah. It worked so much better for my brain. And then um, Figure Fifteen is the actual witch's jewel of power as a platonic octahedron. Okay, let's say um, that like five times fast. Platonic, platonic octahedron, octahedron, hedron. I don't even know. Hedron, yeah, octahedron, hedron. Oh, that sounds okay. great. We sound so smart. Yeah, <laughs> we totally took geometry once upon a time. Um, but it really reminded me of the way that you took the wheel of the year and then like assigned tools to it that made um, not just elemental but time of the year sense to you. Um, so it very much reminded me so much of you. Well, that's Um, sweet. I mean, (laughs) I'll take that. Um, but but, I mean, I think that that's what we do as witches, right? We continue to try to derive meaning and make connections on information. And, and so, yeah, uh, it's, I would totally study under her. She's really smart. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just really funny. I saw that diagram and I was like, I, I feel like this must speak to Oak's soul. Uh-huh. This is, this is exactly the kind of thing that like take a concept, stretch it out, draw it all the way out, and then make connections to things that like normally I don't know if I would have put connections to those things. Um, so it was really cool to see the model. You have to read the book. I couldn't even explain <laughs> yeah. it to you in a way that would make sense or even be close to like her explanation of it. Um. And then part three, walking the pinnacle path of elemental witchcraft. So this is where we dig into not just the elements themselves and not just – she calls them formularies where she kind of lays out kind of um, the correspondences and then what you'll need and um, all of this stuff and very easy to look at information. I love when something is like broken down to like give me an overview and then give me the in-depth talk. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. lovely. Um, but we dig into those projective and receptive actions. So to be silent, to resonate, to know, to wonder, to will, to surrender, to dare, to accept, um, which is obviously much more than those like cardinal four that we have all um, come to know. So two for each element. So um, to be silent and um, to resonate mm-hmm. all for one element, the next two for the next um, element. And then one of those is projective and one of them is receptive. And it was so cool to have those concepts described in that way. Like these are all concepts that I think you and I were like aware of, mm-hmm. but I had never put them together in that way. So it was cool to like look at this from a new a new frame from a new um, kind of paradigm. That was that was really cool. Yeah. I mean, I, um, you know, definitely have gotten into hermetic study. Um, might have read the Kabillion. I don't know. I think that's how you say it. It's like a K-Y uh, pronunciation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that this reminded me of is one of the principles. Um, one of the seven principles is the idea that um, opposites are the same thing, just to differing degrees, right, on the scale. And so mm-hmm. um, I don't even know what I would have kind of connected to be silent, but to resonate and to be silent, I could just meditate on that for like weeks. Mm-hmm. 
and like what that means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super, super deep. Yeah. Cool. Um, and then as we get into kind of the fire, so the activities part of the book. Um, so in the prologue kind of has this table of contents of the workings. So there's mm-hmm. not just a table of contents. There's also a table of contents for the activities. I think it'd be really interesting if you're someone who already like kind of like us who came in already with most of this base knowledge, just had not connected these concepts and ideas in the way that she has. I think it'd be really cool to do these before and after reading. And like, I I love being able to see growth, like to, to, to quantify it in a way. And so if you could do these exercises before, and then after really reading and digesting these concepts, do them again, I think there would be so much more like value add to just doing them after you've read the lesson or read mm. the thing. Okay. Um, like I, creating I a control. Cool. Creating yeah, control. In the essentially. Yeah. yeah. Get a, get a placebo effect, effect of like, what do I already think I know about all of these topics? And then um, what what have you learned or, or how have you grown after having really regurgitated these again? Wow. That's a really interesting idea, right? Yeah. We're in this kind of fire idea where we're talking about activities. So you're saying Mm -hmm. even encourage people before they dive into the information to just do some of the things like the meditations or the, you know, whatever actions she's Mm -hmm. suggesting. I love that. That's a really creative way of approaching the book. Well, I was kind of thinking like, why did she pull out the activities before you've even read the book? And then that got me thinking like, especially once I got further into the book, I was like, you know, if I had done these activities before reading these, I don't know that I would have gotten nearly as much meaning out of them as I did now. I would have been able to do them because mm-hmm. a lot of them are things that we've done in our record or things that um, you know a lot of other books will tell you to do. But now you're doing them from her framework, and so and so they take on different meaning. Um, one of the things I really liked in chapter twelve, there's an I am list, which and this got me thinking about like things I've done before and then doing them in a, a different framework. So I done I've done a similar thing related to like gratitude and um, kind of relationship mapping. So like I am a daughter, I am mm-hmm. a mother, I am uh, a partner, all of those things. Um, but thinking about this more from um, a, a manifesting perspective, so like I am, and then things that you're working on or things that you know you want to kind of um, push for or or maybe like set a stretch goal for. Um, taking those maybe into a manifestation standpoint, it really was just kind of taking the affirmations concept and then like pushing it more and in, into a to-do. Um, and then that the, literally the very next paragraph after that is talking about like taking some of those things that you want to be and are not quite there yet and and pushing the boundaries of like where you're comfortable um, to get to that growth. So um Really, really enjoyed. Yeah. I mean, the manifestation topic is is just one example of how she's taking activities and building on it. I, I have mm-hmm. – manifestation was something that I studied deeply even before being in witchcraft, right? Um, and like mindset and like the neuro-linguistic kind of programming and how to rearrange mm-hmm. the way that you think and the way that you speak in order to support your desired outcome. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, that that's a big part of me being able to transcend – my upbringing in order to imagine a life that's far greater mm-hmm. than that. Right. And, and so, yeah, I, I, I love being reminded of those things because yeah, they're really important. What we say, like mm-hmm. words are power and that's a spell into itself. So much. 
and then kind of the earth advice things things you maybe didn't quite agree with uh oh <laughs> what, what do you got yeah so in this earth section we're doing like advice but we're also going to talk about right like who we think would be good for um mm-hmm. okay so you know this was in christopher penzak's book this this concept i'm going to talk about and it's also in her book um and i just feel like it bears repeating um that modern witchcraft she describes it as being by nature eclectic right And eclectic practice is by nature the process of integrating other people's knowledge and behaviors and process and ritual into someone else's things, right? So taking different types of things, picking out things and and putting them together, that also kind of sounds like appropriation, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And Mm -hmm. so Christopher referred to it as like being – the witch is a weaver, a weaver of right. knowledge, a weaver of practices. Um, but it's it's a reality that we have to, I think, acknowledge. Like anytime we talk about chakras, like, sorry, that's not mm-hmm. that's not British <laughs> Celtic practice, right? Mm-hmm. That's not an Irish or Scottish practice. That's clearly from a different culture. And so mm-hmm. for me, you know, I want to be able to learn from, benefit from and pay respect to those things. I think it's just really interesting um, that both of them are bringing this up. And, and again, it continues to make me think about, you know, like how can we practice yoga in a more respectful way? Mm-hmm. How can we uh, think about these topics <laughs> in a way that's acknowledging that we have taken best practices from other cultures and how that can be potentially problematic? So yeah, mm-hmm. I just, I liked that topic. I don't disagree with her. So I don't know if it, it goes in this section, but um, mm-hmm. I, I think it's a good advice, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Appropriation versus misappropriation. And they're like, where is that yeah, yeah. grainy line there? Yeah. Um, I think the book layout, I think is super conducive to people who are not like block text readers. Mm-hmm. Um for me, like on a page, they were pretty big pages, um, but there wasn't like a bunch of block text. It was really broken up by tables and figures and images and even like bullet points and mm-hmm. numbering. Like there were sections, like it didn't feel overwhelming. Like I know the book itself is large, but it didn't feel like it was impossible to get through or that like 10 pages was going to take me hours. Um, it really, I think, is is bite-sized enough to like take this on in pieces mm-hmm. and really get a lot from it. No, I think you're totally I think right. Should, I, that's actually a yeah. topic of um, design that's being had. Um, the The Witch of Southern Lights, I'm forgetting his name, is it Michael mm-hmm. or something like this? Like he printed yeah. his book in a way that has a lot of space between paragraphs. Um, and he actually took into account, because he's dyslexic and um, is mm-hmm. neuro. neuro divergent. So how can we create text that is supportive of different learning styles and different ways of thinking? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I definitely struggle because uh, I have dyslexia. And so when I just have a page full of letters, you know, like I'm yeah. having to take, you know, a card or something and like block out everything that's below it. But her book, I didn't find mm-hmm. myself doing that at all. So totally agree. Great call. I don't think I would have called that out. Yeah. Yeah. And I, well, and that's one of the things I like really focus on because I, I do enjoy reading, but there is nothing that discourages me faster. I, if you've ever read War and Peace. <laughs> no, <story>. I have not. 
<laughs> Let me save you so much time. Um, it like just getting through like ten pages of it would take a full hour. Just ten pages, and that book is over a thousand pages. Mm-hmm. So it it just becomes this like a, a task of will and endurance, where you're just like. Well, I've already gotten 50 pages in. That's five hours of my life. I'm never getting back. I might as well see it through. And I mean, I literally wrote this book in in pieces as I could stand it for like months. Wow. It was terrible. Um, and I that is always my go-to when I think about mm-hmm. like not user-friendly books. Um, that was it just yeah. Tolstoy, you're great. You're really you're great. <laughs> but that oh my God, it's just so defeating. Um, I do wish I had had this book. As a beginner, because I think the connections here were vital, um, vital to understanding instead of rote memory. I spent so much time as a newer witch trying to rote memorize things. Yeah. Water is this, fire is this. And she has those tables in there. Don't get me wrong, she has the things in there to help, but it's the connection of the concepts that I think would have got me to the same place a lot faster. Yeah. The um, correspondences, but in relation to concepts rather than just right. associations. Yeah. 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 Um, I really, and I, I don't know if I would necessarily say this is a beginner book, yeah. but I think as a beginner, if you took this book and like really followed it the way through, I think you would be so much more informed of a witch than I think most of us were at the beginning with our like, uh, green is prosperity. Blue is, you know, I think yeah. it it gives so much more than that. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So you're saying that it's for a beginner, but it's for mm-hmm. the kind of beginner who uh, appreciates complex concepts to begin with. Mm-hmm. Right. If if you want to study, which hopefully when you get into witchcraft, you're not under any ill illusion that there will be, um, you know, a, a 101 that tells you all the things. Uh, we will yeah. just be reading all of the books for the rest of your life. That is, you just have to get into that as a concept. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I I think if that is interesting to you, if, if concepts and argument and um, debate are interesting to you, then this book as a whole will be much more interesting than um, your one-on-one how-tos yeah. or a, a, a basics of witchcraft book. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I'm, um, and we said kind of something similar about the inner temple of witchcraft by Christopher Penzak, but I think that that's more true of this one, um, right? Mm-hmm. Than of Christopher's. Yeah, I feel like I would do this one and then the temple of inner. You know, what we should do inner witchcraft. Oh yeah, we should make Tell like me. a spectrum of books. <laughs> yes, of like. Like beginner to advanced Ooh, and love. like where we would place them as we go and then yes. watch them like kind of move around as we like compare them to each other. And we're like, well, we originally put this one here. Yes. After having read this one, we're actually going to move this. Are we going to offend so many authors? <laughs> well, we're not, we're not saying their books are beginner, right. intermediate, advanced. We're saying on the, our, our podcast, we would think that okay. this book is best for. Okay, I love that. Just, just a thought. Just a People thought. are Let's hearing these great ideas come out in real time, and that's exciting for our listeners. Yes. I think. Yeah, <laughs> and then <laughs> and then hopefully we follow through with them because uh, you know, well, sorry, sorry if we don't. It's just yeah. sometimes these ideas come up and we're like, ooh, yeah, do that. If we don't do yeah. it, somebody else should. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, if you're listening, you're like, I need to create content. This is it. This is the content. Please do it. <laughs> um, 
I also think, I think it's really interesting when I read this, because I, I think we all read it often that, that Wicca started as a fertility cult, right? A lot mm-hmm. of its practices are based around fertility, fertility of the land, fertility of the people, for, um, you know, sex as magic, like all of these concepts. Um, and I don't, I don't know if I yet disagree as a concept, but I was recently introduced to the idea of Wicca as seen more as a reincarnation cult instead mm-hmm. of a fertility cult. Um, this idea of death, rebirth, death, right? Of of the cycling of things as opposed to um, just the making of things. Because mm-hmm. it's not just we want to make things, but also we use them and consume them and compose them and then it becomes new things, right? So the concept that like things recharge. I, every time I see now – fertility cult, I'm like, oh, what an insult. Yeah. Oh, what an insult. You're like, that's um, half really, of the conversation. Sure. But there's another literally. part. Yeah. 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 And then I, I got very confused though with her banishing I and knew invoking you were to say pentagrams. That. Okay. So I didn't want to tell you this in advance. And I just knew that Danny would pick this up because she mm-hmm. is like, where are you wrong? Questioning, you know, not just taking things mm-hmm. as they are. They misprinted it. They misprinted. Stop. I'm not going to because this is the truth. So I purchased the book from Michelle. And if you are mm. from Heron, Michelle, see, I did it. Um, if you're going to purchase this book, <laughs> you should do it. Uh, we're going to put a link directly from her so that you get this really cool correction uh, figure. Uh, <laughs> you caught it. So much better. Yeah. See, the thing I the thing I disagree with was actually just – an error. See, yes. so then I have not. I, I disagree with nothing. That's. The it's end just of amazing my that you caught that though. You didn't even like. <laughs> you were you were fact checking. Yeah. So so essentially, what has happened is that for air, fire, water, and earth, there is of course an invoking pentagram and a banishing pentagram. Um, pentagram being a star, not the star in the circle. The star in the circle mm-hmm. is not a pentagram. It's a pentacle. Everybody says that Correct. word. It's really interesting. Yes. At any rate, um, so the the directions, uh, the you know, the arrows saying which way to initiate mm-hmm. uh, for Earth are incorrect, and she had included um, in my copy a little correction, which I think is actually pretty amazing because that means that yeah. the first edition of this book will always have an error in it, which is kind of great. It makes it special. Well. And and now I know to be like oh yeah and, and but then I what's funny though is it is printed correctly elsewhere in the book there okay. is one image for air that is correct so then I was like maybe I'm reading it wrong like maybe <laughs> yeah. she doesn't mean this is where you start maybe that's just when you get to that part that's the direction you're I could not for the life of me figure out what we were what was happening with those I was like. They're all wrong, and I don't know if everyone else knows they're wrong. Like, is this a secret? Like, <laughs> I love that you caught it. It's really, really impressive. You know, got a fact just, check for you. I hope guys. you didn't spend too much time can, like going back and forth well, on it. <laughs> I kept, I kept flipping back because I was like, I know that it was in here earlier and it was correct. So I kept flipping back to look at it and I was like, what happened between? And I was like, it's got to be me. It's user error, right? Like, no. I'm just not understanding what's. Love it. Written here. Okay. Fantastic. So I disagree with nothing then. Everything else is beautiful. <laughs> um, and then I think we have to talk about that she is not formally initiated into any initiatory group. And it's interesting 
because many parts of her book would have led me to believe otherwise. Um, not like getting into like Othamatir or anything, but just the concepts that she used and and even some of the things that she pulled from are not things – I guess, you know, you could go out there and ask people and find out. But there, I was just surprised at the number of connections that she made to things, um, not being in any initiatory group. That mm-hmm. was very interesting to me. Um, and even in the um, foreword that was done by Timothy Roderick in the book, um, he talks about how Hera Michelle has sometimes gotten criticism for saying too much, but he sees it as kind of forcing the conversation. And it got me really thinking about, you know, if this is an experiential religion, mm-hmm. you know, then the experience is what's initiatory, not the information. And I think yes, it's girl. really interesting. It brings up a lot. I'm giving of, you snaps. That's that's. <laughs> say that again. Say it again. So if the religion mm-hmm. is experiential, mm-hmm. the experience is what's initiatory, not the information. Ooh, I like right? that. I mean, so, obviously, we're not going to be revealing any oathbound secrets, but correct. Just as a stance, I totally agree. Yeah, I mean. Yes. Love that. Love that. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, it got me really thinking about like, I, and there is this whole talk about like gatekeeping within initiatory groups. And mm-hmm. and to some extent, I understand why it it must exist because then what is the point of being in an initiatory group if you have information that is out there? But, but to some extent, mm-hmm. a lot of this information is actually out there. If you're willing to dig, if you're willing to look, it's out there, right? But it's the experience itself that is initiatory. It is practicing with a coven. It is practicing with a group of people that you have um, deigned as your spiritual family. Like these are mm-hmm. these are the people that you hope, uh, you know, at the at the end of this life, you later meet again um, in some kind of reincarnation. And so, um, I I think it was interesting how much she put out there and how little flack I have actually seen for how much is out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really think it speaks to what um, what Timothy Roderick was talking about. You know, it, it is forcing people to have these conversations about like what is truly oath bound and why, why is it as Wicca comes into, um, you know, new decades and, and new schools of thought and, and what is initiatory and what does it really mean? I think it's really important to point out that information for a lot of people, knowledge is power and, and that creates a power dynamic. But what we can't do is get lost in the idea that we're withholding information from people because it's ours. Yeah. Um, instead, we have to like really, I mean, be serious when we say like the experience is the initiatory part. It, it okay. is the experience. This whole, people. this whole little slice of time that you've been speaking is just beautiful. When you started talking about our family, our spiritual family, and that we were together in the past and found each other, you know that made me tear up, right? <laughs> but yes, Listen, I love. Yes, when we got together, I was like, yes. I know her. Yes. Like, I know her. You know, yeah. <laughs> 
this feels right. This feels right in my brain. Yes. This, the thing that I think is just really interesting is, um, well, Pluto going into Aquarius is very what you're just talking about, this whole idea of like information uh-huh. transformation and how that brings together people and humanity and all that good stuff. So Pluto agrees with you, um, <laughs> the planet. As it should. Yes. Uh, celestial body, I guess. Some people are like, it's not a planet. Anyways, whatever. We're not going to go down that rabbit hole. But um, what I'll say is, yeah, I mean, the reality is, is that you don't need to be part of any type of lineage path or, or tradition that's initiatory or not. The information's out there. The information is out there if you look hard enough. I mean, there are some things that informationally are not out there. I'm going to say that, sure. But in order to have a meaningful experience where you get to be an effective and meaningful human and have that existence, you can absolutely create that without being part of it. Now, I I don't, I haven't heard her speak on the topic as to why she was never initiated into mm-hmm. any specific tradition. Um, and I think I heard her say that she had studied like outer court style, but you know, she's in South Carolina, y'all. Um mm-hmm. And she has lived there for at least 20 years because her shop has been there. And so the mm-hmm. idea of her finding information and doing you know, what she has access to is, I could see that totally being the reason why. I think a lot of mm-hmm. our, hopefully like listeners are also um, feel empowered to not be limited by their physical position. And, and also you don't have to wait until you find a group to begin to, you know, search for knowledge or deepening your understanding um, of the occult. So yeah, I'm interested in hearing just her take on why that ever happened or why she never had Mm -hmm. a desire to do that. Because I have a a number of witch friends that are self-initiated and are eclectic. and, Mm -hmm. um, And I think they're more so often afraid of the drama that comes with people being together. Or, um, but, but yeah, it'd be interesting to hear it from her. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we, I think we did a great job of creating propaganda that just supports Karen Michelle. (laughs) So (laughs) who is this book good for? Everyone. Go to her website, buy it from her small independently owned woman run business, run and owned business. Uh, Yeah. Do it. Yes. All right. Well, Thank you guys for joining us for this Real Reads episode. Um, our next episode, we're going to be covering In Bulk and The Bell. So that's mm. exciting. And then, of course, if you haven't checked us out on Facebook, we're there at Two Real Witches Podcast. Um, come hang out with us. Occasionally we have some cool stuff up there. Um, just come come hang out. we got to pick another book, too. And so someone's got to pick it. Um, okay. Nelson wants to chime <laughs> in. Nelson has opinions. Yes. He yes. wants to say goodbye to everyone. Goodbye, Goodbye, friend. Okay. And then, all right. So let's do this sign off. All right. I'm going to edit that part out. Uh, Remember that having real wins and real losses, real learnings and real teachings is to be a real witch. So from two real witches, blessed be be and and be be well. well. Okay. (laughs) Well, I didn't do it good that time. So close. All so right. close. Goodbye. Okay, bye. bye.